We've been talking a lot on this podcast about the greatest football player of all time, Lionel Messi, in his epic stateside move. Now you can join Messi as he embarks on his historic next chapter with Apple TV Plus's new documentary series called Messi Meets America. Follow along Messi's journey as he takes North America and Major League Soccer by storm, ushering in a new era with his new inner Miami teammates. The series is streaming now, right now, right this second, only on Apple TV Plus, and more episodes are coming November 1st. Guess who I picked to win MLS Cup? Columbus. Columbus. Yeah. And uh, that's it, not listen, happening. It, it may not. I mean, your picks may not happen either. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know. <laughs> that's the beauty of this thing, right? You go with your, you go with either, either logic, your heart, whatever. You have an emotional attachment to something. You're wrong with it. Welcome back to another episode of Offside with me, Taylor Twelman. We have a playoff special for you today. And keep in mind, Thursday, our normal episode, although this one will be a little special as we get into the improbable story of St. Louis SC. Now, we've just barely caught our breath after Decision Day where Charlotte FC, New York Red Bulls, Sporting Kansas City clinched their spots in the playoffs as they begin with their wildcard matches Wednesday night which will kickstart this year's revamped MLS postseason. Now, first up in the Eastern Conference, Charlotte FC make their playoff debut in just their second season. They'll be riding high after a wild win over Messi's Inner Miami. Waiting for them are postseason regulars, the New York Red Bulls, in for a record-setting 14th straight year. But only one of Charlotte, or Red Bulls, are going through to the next round. Wednesday's showdown is a win or go home. Meanwhile, out west, San Jose returns to the postseason for the first time since 2020 to face Alan Polito in Sporting Kansas City. Now, the club split their two meetings this season, so Wednesday's match will determine who advances to take on St. Louis City. It all goes down Wednesday night, only on MLS Season Pass. You can watch pre-match coverage starting at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time with the first kickoff at 7.30. Now, this time of the year, It's like Christmas for me. So on this playoff preview special, I've invited, are they really friends, colleagues, acquaintances? We'll determine that throughout the show, but Sasha Kleshton and Marisa Du to help me unwrap all of what the MLS playoff season looks like. So without further ado, Sasha Kleshton and Marisa Du. Marisa Du, Sasha Kleshton, appreciate you taking the time. Sasha, I know Mo may be in the hospital. He may be in the basement. <laughs> he may be in the parking garage of the hospital. Mo, has the baby come yet? Yes or we no? We are still waiting. She's taking her time. It's a girl, obviously. You two know that. Um, we have two boys, so this will be our first girl. And already she's trying to assert her dominance on this household, on me. Making sure she knows or we know that she's going to do what she wants on her clock. So it is what it is. And we're just waiting still. Do we have a name yet? Do we have a name? We don't, man. We're so bad with that. It always, yeah, our first two, we had a couple that we were flirting with. But then I remember our first one, we actually changed his name on the birth certificate because we had a different one written down. So uh, TBD, kind of, kind of wait and see. She has a couple that she likes in mind, but uh, you're shaking your head, Sasha. You don't like this? How how can you live life that way? I (laughs) don't. You just got baby's going to come out. You don't know what you're going to call it for a few days. Like I, I would not be able to live like that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Sasha has his lunch already packed for Friday and we're taping yeah. this on Monday, by you the gotta way. You got to be Mo. spontaneous. I mean, like I said, she has 
some ideas in her mind. Um, we've we've spitballed a little bit, but there's nothing that we've landed on. Like, there's nothing that's final just yet. Yeah, I mean, it's easy. Taylor's a great name for a boy or a girl, so feel free to use it if you <laughs> want to. If you just want to have that? Eddie. Mo- <laughs> you know what I mean? Michelle, Mo combined. There you go. I kind of like great. it. All right, let's get into this. We're taping on uh, Monday, October 23rd. The playoffs are upon us. The schedule's upon us. We're going to get into all of that. But, Sasha, I'm going to start with you. Decision day, the recap of the season. Who is your biggest disappointment of not being in the playoffs in 2023? It's got to be Toronto, and it's not even close. Uh, They weren't even close all season. You, You could say halfway through the year, the season was done. Just with the amount of money Toronto spent on this mm-hmm. season, Bernadeschi and Insigne, both flops all season, let's be honest. Uh, big free agent signings within MLS that got our hopes up that was going to raise the level of this team between Sean Johnson and Matt Hedges. Hedges doesn't last the season in Toronto. Of course, Sean Johnson had some injuries. Uh, I just had high hopes and high expectations for this Toronto team, especially with Bob Bradley at the helm to start the season. Uh, so I think they've got to be the biggest disappointment not to be in the playoffs, and honestly, not even close. Mo, what about you? A part of me feels, and I look at Galaxy because of the pedigree of the club, because of the expectations with the club, and now I know that they've suffered a lot of adversity this season, both on and off the pitch, injuries, issues with with you know disgruntled fans in terms of addressing the front office and getting changed there. So there's been a lot that they've had to deal with, but you still expect more from that club. They made a decent run the second half of uh, the season to try to get it to contention, but it didn't happen for them. So the other one that I would throw into that mix is NYCFC. Now, I don't think that's one that a lot of people are going to point to, but this is a club, and Sash, you'll, you'll feel somewhat kind of way about this, that you, you, have a, you have a direct rival in Red Bulls who's had success in terms of being in the playoffs consistently. It's not long ago that you were lifting MLS Cup, right? So I think once a team hits that point of having that ultimate level of success, which is winning MLS Cup, you have to build from there. There can't be a drop-off to where you're not even getting above the line anymore. And so for a club that came into this league with ambitions, a new stadium coming soon. So this is a drop-off in terms of what the expectations for that club should be. And now they have a big transfer window, a big offseason ahead of them to try to get things right and get that club back on the right side of that playoff line. Mo, I agree with you with the aspirations of the club and who owns them winning MLS Cup in 2021. For me, guys, it's Austin. And and what's surprising to me about Austin is the energy that you saw within the players. This is Sebastian Jerusi, who, if we were taping this podcast before the season started, I think one of us three would have had him as a preseason MVP. We would have had him on the best 11. They go out and sign Giazzi Zardes. That doesn't work. The back line is all over the place. And yet when they're still in the thick of it, there was no energy. There was no desperation. The The point being is that it, it felt lifeless and I am stunned. This is a team last year that challenged LAFC in the Western Conference. This is a team this year that had no business being in the conversation and they should have been in the conversation. That's where I think the biggest disappointment lies. But I'm going to go back to what Mo brought up. And Sasha, you're right. Former club, New York Rebels. Sasha, start with you. I think New York Rebels are favored, but not by much. Yeah, I think uh, if we're previewing this match, I I do give the favor to New York Red Bulls as well. 
Uh, Kalina will have to to be very good again to keep Charlotte in the game just because of the way the game will be played, in my opinion. It's going to be fast. It's going to be hectic. Red Bulls will create some chaos in front of the goal, that's for sure, and Kalina has to be good. Having said all that, these two teams have made the playoffs. I don't think this was a successful season for either team. I do like that head coach Troy Lassane for New York Red Bulls said that after the game. He said, okay, we've made the playoffs. That's the goal at the beginning of the season, but we can't gloss over things and think that this was a successful season. There are many things that have to change and have to get better every day in this club. So I respect that from him. Same with Charlotte. They they were disappointing for most of the year, giving up so many points from winning positions. It was out there what was wrong with them, and Christian Latanzio never made any adjustments to he change that. He didn't care. He didn't care. But, so it's bizarre. It's, it's in a funny way, when things aren't going well, right? I've never been a manager. I've never been in that position. I know, Sasha, you've taken like some of your coaching licenses, and do you just abandon everything? I get it. Things aren't working, and there has to be some shift to try to get your team back into winning form. But at the same time, you just abandon all the principles that you try to instill into this group. Because to me, that almost feels you're you're not strong in your beliefs, that you're not strong in your principles as a manager. I get that there can be subtle changes, but to just completely abandon everything that you've worked on and try to instill into this group. is So, let, so I'm going to answer that, Mo. You and I were in the building, quarterfinal League Cup. Charlotte played Miami. They get played off the pitch. That game, Christian Latanzio says we're going man-marking. We're going to have Privet defend all over the field to be more aggressive. My argument is it's fine being aggressive. It's different being reckless aggressiveness. You're up 1-0 at home. There's no reason to have your center back defending against the goalkeeper of inner Miami on a goal kick. I've never seen it in my life, ever. And I said it three or four times. Since League's Cup, Charlotte has given up nine points from the winning position after the 80 fourth minute since beating the galaxy on the road in may they have one win on the road now the problem in this series which is why i can't predict it the new york ripples have scored the fewest regular season goals of all the playoff teams in the east so in my opinion this game's got zero zero written all over it or it's got four three because both teams are chaotic both teams are all over the place I honestly don't know who has the advantage, Sasha, because when I really see the Red Bulls at home, Charlotte on the road, Charlotte being not really smart with their setup, the New York Rebels not having the ability to score goals, it almost feels like it's going to be a pillow fight and the game's going to penalties. The one thing that I would say, Sasha, real quick, is just that, and I'm curious for you specifically because you used to play for Red Bulls, now you're the favorite in terms of coming into this game, you're going to be hosting this game. It's easier to be the underdog, but at some point, if that's all you have to feed off to get you motivated for games, and I'm not saying that they don't have internally their own motivations, but they're but if that's what you continuously just keep speaking outwardly that, hey, everyone's hating on us and that's the fuel for our fire. So what now happens when you're the favorite? Because this is a scenario now. Now you're the favorite. That's the question I asked John Tolkien on the show this weekend when we got him. I said, you guys can't play that card this weekend. You are the favorite. You're playing at home. And I got to say, having been a former Red Bull player who who played playoff games at Red Bull Arena, there is a certain anxiety built into that stadium and home playoff games. For us, I think it was the great expectations that we should have won MLS Cup once in that period of time, and and we didn't do it. For this team, though, also, it's now 27 years of no trophy, of no cup. 
right? And so when they play at home, there's these expectations. Now, no one expects them to even get past Cincinnati if they win this round for sure. But that expectation just as you you want so bad to be the first Red Bulls team to win mm-hmm. an MLS Cup that you almost want it too bad that that anxiety crushes you. So it'll be interesting to see with such a young team at the New York Red Bulls how they handle that this weekend. Sometimes being young, you can be naive too, Mo. I just don't think they have the horses for the courses. I, and this I really is where don't. I think that Charlotte can get an edge. The fact that there is that anxiety, that there is that pressure that comes with all the history. Because in the days leading up to this game now, these players are going to be interviewed. Even if they're not having those conversations in the locker room amongst themselves, they're going to get asked by the press, hey, are you guys thinking about the fact that you haven't done X, Y, and Z? Are you thinking about this? Are you thinking about that? So now it's suddenly in your head. Now you're suddenly maybe not doubting yourself, but things that you've kind of blocked out because you have tunnel vision as an athlete, as a player, and you have a singular focus, now they're starting to creep into your head. And so... From a Charlotte standpoint, you go in there and you have your specific style of play that you want to play and your game model and whatnot, but you have to also recognize the moment because if the game is nil-nil, it's getting late into the game, the pressure now falls on the home team. The expectation, the onus is on them for them to go out there and do something different, to do something special to get that goal that rewards their fan base, and now you got to just be clever in how you approach that. So I don't look at this game and say that there's much between either side, between the two teams. I was going to ask you, whoever wins this, do they have a shot against FC Cincinnati? I'm going to answer that for the bo- all three of us. No chance. Absolutely none. That will be FC Cincinnati. The difference is going to be in the West, and I want to get into this, because Sporting Kansas City is hosting San Jose Earthquakes Wednesday night at 9.30 on MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. To think that Sporting Kansas City had three points after the first 10 games of the season. Last weekend, they won 3-1 over Minnesota United. They get into the playoffs. They now have to host San Jose, who's traveling. I honestly think this is Sporting Kansas City's to lose because also they know if they win, they got St. Louis City on the other side. They got their rivals. Mo, tell me I'm wrong. Does San Jose have a shot in beating Sporting Kansas City? It's not often I'll say this, and I probably won't say it again for a long, long time, but you're not wrong. I agree with you in the sense of everything you've said, but then you also factor in these are two teams that are moving in opposite directions. San Jose is on this streak. I think it's like 10 games where they've only won one game. They've drawn, I think, eight or nine of those games mm-hmm. and their routes to getting into the playoffs. And you look at Kansas City, Sporting KC, what they've had to do to get themselves even in this position. Right? A lot of it had to do with dealing with such certain situations with injuries and whatnot, not having players healthy, not ha- being able to field your best team. But to find a way to bounce back. I mean, they started off their season like 0-7-3 oh, and and or something like that, where they hadn't won in like 10 games. And so I look at them having the advantage because they have a manager in Peter Vermees who's tried and tested, been there, done that, knows how to motivate a group, knows how to get the best out of a group of players, and they're playing at home. They're playing in a venue that is a very, very difficult place to go and get a, get a result if you're an away team. It's an intimidating atmosphere that they create there, the proximity of the fans to the pitch, all those different factors, and it's a place where they've had success. So... I look at Sporting Kansas City as having the edge in this match, and now it gets fun and it gets tricky as they take on St. Louis in their first playoff match. Sasha, Sasha, what's interesting about this, San Jose, they've only kept one clean sheet in their last 10. Kansas City's only been shut out once in their last 10. I like what Lucci's done. I don't love that Lucci didn't go for the three points to get Austin in the last game because then this game would have been played in San Jose I just think Polito, Johnny Russell, Peter Vermees, that experience, 
I think they're going to be playing St. Louis City, and I also think St. Louis City is going to fear them. I, I totally agree. Uh, listen, the last 15 minutes of that San Jose-Austin game. Oh, I, my I could, Lord, I, dude. I couldn't believe at how slow a pace from both teams. Austin has nothing to lose. You're playing for nothing. Go try to win the game. Press the game. San Jose, if you just get one more goal, you're hosting this game at home. Exactly. I couldn't understand how conservative the approach was from both teams. And that's going to bite San Jose now. They're going on the road, and I think Kansas City has it all in their hands. They have Johnny Russell looking in good form. I think this game looks like this previous game that was a must-win for Kansas Agreed. City at home Agreed. against Minnesota, and the big players showed up. They went after the game, they were aggressive, and I think they do that again, and they get their date with Destiny and St. Louis with a little bit of revenge on their minds. Sasha and Mo, you know this very well. The listeners don't, but when you are playing with your backs against the wall going into the playoffs, those are oftentimes the teams you don't want to play. When you've qualified for the playoffs early and you kind of walk yourself into it, Sporting Kansas City's been playing a playoff game since the moment yeah. they had won in the first 10 games. They have been desperate for a long time. San Jose has not. That's why I think Sporting Kansas City is going to move on to take on St. Louis City. And keep in mind, St. Louis City lost 12 games this year. They won 17, but they lost 12. That's not a foregone conclusion that they take care of Sporting Kansas City at home. I'm going to stay in the Western Conference. LAFC playing Vancouver. Not what Steve Torundolo and LAFC wanted, having to play on that turf in Vancouver, having to go there. However, guys, I'm on the record. I've been on the record. LAFC looked like the group to me the moment League's Cup ended. They were going to wait and just get themselves to the playoffs and hopefully flip a switch. Mo, can they flip a switch after looking pretty anemic for the majority of 2023? Of course. Of course they can. Like, let's be real for a second, right? Now, I get it. I agree that they haven't been the LAFC that started off this season. They haven't consistently been the LAFC that started off this season, where they were just running by teams, where they were just smacking teams, where you're laughing and thinking, wow, we're going to see them repeat. That being said... This is still also the LA, LAFC team that was in CCL final that probably should yeah. have won Campion's yeah. Cup, lost in penalty kicks, that has your Golden Boot winner and Danny Buwanga. Carlos Vela is the same Carlos Vela, mm -hmm. but don't be fooled and think that this man can't still pull a rabbit out of his hat and, and put a ball on a platter for Buwanga, score a free kick, cut on his favorite left foot and curl into the far post. So they still have game changers. Um, it's a different team, completely different team than the one that we saw last year in the way that this team has been built. They're not as deep, but I think when I just look at this squad of players, there's still enough quality in them for them to make a deep run. I do think this is a tricky matchup, though. Having to play the same team, this is going to be their fifth time playing them this season, potentially fifth, sixth, seventh. Well, think about it. To your point, Mo, last weekend, decision day, they played a 1-1 right. draw. Bawanga scored. Ryan Gold missed two penalties. It's the same thing with Philadelphia and New England as well. That becomes difficult. You're going to play the same team four times in two weeks or so. I agree with you. I don't think it's ideal for anyone. It almost suits the team like Vancouver that says, you know what? Fuck it. We're going on the road. We're going to sit in. We're going to get nil-nil, and we're going to take you to penalties. Then all hell but breaks see, I don't. That's why, Sasha, when I look at this, I, I don't think Vancouver yeah. can do that twice. But all they have to do is once. And then LAFC has to go play on turf in Vancouver. It's the winner of the game one that whether or not this becomes a series. If LAFC wins game game one, they move on. 
Sasha, tell me I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. I actually, I, I think LAFC is going to handle Vancouver in this series. I, I think back to, of course, it, it was a different moment, but early in the season in a knockout round, LAFC beat Vancouver combined 6-0 on aggregate in CONCACAF Champions League, and they looked a, a class way above Vancouver. I do think Vancouver has improved a lot since then, but I don't really think this Vancouver team is totally, totally built to just go to LAFC and sit behind the ball for it's a so, good point. so long. Not. That, right? Richie Larea is going to get into the attack. Ryan Gold is going to have his moments. There will be some moments for Vancouver. I think LAFC prevails, and I, and I think they'll be just fine. My worry about LAFC is, can they get the midfield right? The midfield has looked weak. They, they don't control games anymore, but what no, they, they do don't. have is, is they win the ball and they go fast. And when they go fast and they get out in the open space, nobody better in the league than Denny Buwanga. Maybe Hani Mukhtar, but Buwanga has looked better this season. So my other question mark is around the center backs. I think now that the, the teams only have to play every week and not any midweek games, I think it's Chiellini and Aaron Long that will stick together. As long as you keep getting Chiellini that rest... He's got to be in there. And so I think LAFC is going to be look, fine. But this one, so one thing is I look at Vancouver and I know you're saying that in CCL they got smacked and you're absolutely right. But then in regular season play, albeit it wasn't a full strength LAFC team, the fact that Vancouver went to BMO and and got a win there, that's part of the battle. That's half the battle, knowing that you can go to a certain venue and get a result against a team like LAFC. Now, again, I'll, I'll preface that this that wasn't LAFC's best eleven. But I think the as much as you're talking about the center backs, we're talking about teams that like to get numbers forward. Both teams do like to do that. LAFC probably plays in transition a little bit more. The number sixes for either team are going to be so important. And I'm not sure how long Kubas is going to be out for Vancouver, but he's going to be key for them. Because to your point, they're going to get both their wingbacks higher up the pitch, but that's when LAFC is going to look to pounce in transition moments. And normally he's playing there. He's playing that defensive midfielder. They'll have their three center backs. And that allows him to be a little bit more defensively sound. If he's not playing there and it's Sebastian Berhalter, I think he's done an admirable job when he's had to step in, but it is a different level. And on the opposite side, I think Ilya Sanchez is going to be have a big job in front of him because of the way that that midfield hasn't been able to be as cohesive and consistent as we've seen in probably in years past with the LAFC. Yeah, and I think both of you are hitting the nail on the head. I think Ilya Sanchez, from the moment League's Cup started, it hasn't looked the same. He's been run into the ground. Father Time's been knocking on the door. Safuentes was transferred away because he had different aspirations. LAFC's at their best when the midfield is at their best. Now, I find one of the biggest conversations in topics that wasn't talked about during decision day and at the end of it was the fact that the Seattle Sounders stole the second seed from LAFC. And the reason why I bring that up this is the most experienced group of any team in the MLS Cup playoffs. They host Dallas. It's less about Dallas because, in my opinion, I'm going to make this conversation different. I think they beat Dallas. I don't think Dallas is a problem for them. I filled out my bracket this morning. This was the matchup that I had the hardest yep. coming to yep. a conclusion for, and I actually think this is going to be the best game of the playoffs. I hope it happens, and I also think whoever wins that game wins MLS oh. Cup. I have LAFC winning MLS Cup again. The, but it was so hard for me because they have to go to Seattle to do it. And Seattle is looking very good. Like you said, Taylor, very experienced, getting Christian Roldan back, who's basically had a season off. Obviously, he's had concussion yep. symptoms, but now he comes back fresh and he's the difference maker in that team because he does all the little things right. I still just think in a one-off game, 
I'm just going with the hot hand and Denny Buwanga and, and the fact that he can make plays and that when LAFC goes up, if they go up early in games there are and, harder other teams, and other teams start to come after them and they start yeah. being relentless in the counterattack yeah. again, that's how they'll finish teams off. I think Chirondolo, it'll be interesting to see what Chirondolo does if they take leads in games. If he switches to three center backs and plays really even more on the counter, it could become very dangerous for other teams. And that's why I picked LAFC. I think for FC Dallas to be into the playoffs is one thing, but for Bernard Camungo to get them there, scoring the brace on decision day, we did a real good piece with his brother on this podcast. It was awesome. If you haven't listened to it, go to the archives. It's fantastic. But Mo. You know what I'm getting at regarding that experience of the Seattle Sounders. I, I find it very ironic that Ladero announces now he's not coming back. I think he's pushing and touching the emotional strings of this group. I don't care what Seattle tells me publicly, privately, this is unequivocally the last run for these players in this group. That's all I'm saying. I don't know if I want to be a part of that. They may get blown out. Because Bowanga has that game. But that emotional part is something I think LAFC is missing. Because it's always been about we're tired. We haven't had a full squad. We've got too many games. The schedule's congested. And that's my segue of going to the wounded dog, the experienced dog, now back to the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia Union. Jim Curtin and the Philadelphia Union since League's Cup. Mo, it's your former club. Sasha, this has been one of your favorite teams throughout the entire year. They haven't been the same. Now, everybody talks about Miami and Nashville because they got to the final. Philadelphia had to play a third-place game, so they played the same amount of games. They haven't looked the same. Now, they've only lost two of their last ten going into the year, but they've only won two of those as well. So it's been a lot of stalemates, a lot of draws. They take on the New England Revolution. The game still starts in Philadelphia with game one. I think Philadelphia is the team to beat in the East. And the reason why is Jim Curtin is the opposite of what I just said about LAFC. There's no excuses. He will do anything and everything to win. And he's going to motivate this group that they can do it. I just don't know if they got enough in the tank, Mo, to get there. I don't know if they have it because they haven't looked the same since winning that third place game in League Cup. As you talked about with Seattle, right? And Ladero saying this is my final game and the emotional yeah. galvanization that can happen amongst a group because of these kind of things. You've seen that something similar with Philly, right? With the the ownership group front office coming out saying that Bedoya won't return, Kai Wagner won't return. And then you've seen the response from players like Jacob Glesnes posting on social media, you know, kind of pleading their case, saying these guys are too important to the team. They need to be here. So... That's one part of it. So I can see that being kind of postered on the wall in, in some ways as a, as a let's show them why these players are a big part of this team. Let's win this for them. The other part, though, is I think they also learned something from League's Cup, right? The run that they had made to get to the semifinal was typical of Philly. Do whatever it takes to get the job done. You'll have some special moments. You'll have some games where your your top-end talent win you games. But by and large, it's a collective product defend like hell, and then you're going to find the results going the opposite way in transition. But that game against Miami, that's the first time I've ever seen Philly really change who they are or shift away from doing what's been so successful for them, yes. especially especially playing at home. So I don't think we're going to see that again. Although they've, they've had to rotate players because people have picked up knocks and this and that throughout this back end of the season, 
Yeah, but they haven't changed the way they no, go about it. And they've it. actually added a little bit now. They have more flexibility. For so long, they were 4-4-2, diamond. You're not changing that. You're not seeing any other look. You could predict the lineup weeks in advance before your team played their team. Now they have a little bit more flexibility in terms of not only formation. They've had to rotate players. So other guys have stepped up. I think they become an incredibly, not even they become, I think they are still an incredibly dangerous team in the East, especially the fact that against New England, they'll be playing at home. Yeah, especially at their home. Also, Sasha, I feel like if Philadelphia Union returned to MLS Cup, Andre Blake's going to have to be their best player. And he's made some mistakes lately. Yes, he has. He has, not, he has not looked 100% Andre Blake like we've seen. The goal he gave up to Gustavo Bo this weekend in New England I've never seen Andre Blake give up a goal like that. It's a hard shot, but it's right at him, and it's through his hands. And and it's, I worry that he's just not a hundred percent physically. He was the one player who came out and said, "We're playing too many games, and it's on us to to stand up." No, dude, I'm so sick of all these players talking about too many games. I understand the excuse that Steve Chirundolo has made about we have too many games. We need a bigger roster. Yes. We need a bigger roster. I agree with that. Too many games? No, sorry. I've looked at a 36-year-old Luka Modric play 75 games in a calendar year and look 100% in all of them. I understand the travel in the United States, all that, but I'm sick of this this too many games talk. I agree. Talk. I agree. Philly, though, they they have been there like Seattle has been there in the West. That's what I like about this Philly team. And then they've had a few young guys. Jack McGlynn got a lot of experience this season. I think he's a very key player for this Philadelphia Union side. And I do like what Mo said, that they will rally around Bedoya in his final games as a Philadelphia Union player. Columbus crew, Atlanta United's going to be epic. Two reasons why. One, I love me some Will for Nancy because he's going for broke every single time. And by the way, just because it's the playoffs, he's still going to do it. Two, I like me some Yakomakis. I do. There's a chip on his shoulder. There's an arrogance. He loves to bang in goals from all over the place. He scored 17 on the year. And hell, how many games he missed? 10 or whatever the number is. Here's my question about Columbus, because I think it's Columbus's to lose. We talk about Charlotte dropping points. Columbus has dropped 22 points from winning positions this year. Now, there's a caveat to that stat because that could be in the first half that could be in the 30th minute they could have a lot of 3-3 games but they're still dropping points Mo you've done more Columbus games than anyone on this podcast I think Columbus may be too soft are they to win a playoff so I just did another preview earlier before this one guess who I picked to win an MLS Cup oh thanks for fitting us into guess your who schedule I picked, guess Appreciate who I picked that. to win an MLS Cup I Columbus. Columbus yeah and that's uh, not listen, happening. It, it may not. I mean, your picks may not happen either. <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't know. That's the beauty of this thing, right? You go with your, you go with either, either logic, your heart, whatever. You have an emotional attachment to something, you roll with it. Or Luka Modric. Just you know go I mean? with like, Luka Modric. It's fine. Uh, but, <laughs> but I, I, I'm in the same boat with you, man. I love Wilfred Nancy, and I love, I love this matchup first and foremost because in Gonzalo Pineda. He's also a man who's very, very focused on tactics. And he has a clear way of how he wants to play. We just did their game about two weeks ago in Atlanta, Columbus versus Atlanta. And it was crazy because going into that game, I was thinking the same thing. Like, this is going to be fun game. Yeah. You have stars on both teams, high-end talent, two tactical managers, similar but different approaches, yada, yada, yada. Columbus waxed them. Game finished 1-1, but Columbus, like, it was crazy All to see. Him. But I think Atlanta also learned from that. 
they also learned a tough lesson from that match. But I, I look at Columbus and I just think they got better in the transfer window. Uh, you lose your talisman and Lucas Elarion. You think where do you go from there? Oh, you go bring Diego Rossi into the team. They're better. That's crazy. You go and uh, you start giving Matan more minutes. Who's looked who's looked really good as well. You bring Gressel in. You bring in veteran experience in the back line. Sean Zawatsky, Rudy, Rudy Camacho, a player who's played yep. under Wilfred Nancy in Montreal, knows his system, knows how he wants to play. But I, I'm also been impressed with Wilfred Nancy and the way that he's been able to empower some of these players. Sean Zawatsky, he's a center mid by trade. He's been mm-hmm. playing center back throughout the whole year. In that Atlanta game, he played on the left. And it just completely threw the game out of whack for Atlanta because they I had know. no answer for him when he tucked in and, made the, and was a little bit more central. Long story short, this is going to be, the, I agree, this is the best series in this matchup. But Atlanta won't have Thiago Almada for the first game, red card suspension. They might not have Yakimakis for that first game. Maybe, who knows what the extent of his injury is. This, those are your top two goal scorers on your team. So the drop-off from those two yes, is... Yes, but, but Mo, here's my rebuttal. Here's my rebuttal to that. And it's because I've had to remind myself about this because natural instinct is aggregate. And what does it matter? They could lose the first game 6-0. Doesn't matter. They've, if they get Yakumakis and Tiago Amada at home and win leg two, they've only got to find a way to get a result on the road once. And that's why this is so intriguing to me because they don't have Tiago Amada. And quite honestly, if Yakumakis is at all injured, I wouldn't play him in the first game. It does not but, matter because I want my full squad for two games. What? And you got a week between games. A week between games. I, I agree. And so, sorry, I'm, let me. My rebuttal to that is I just told you that game that I was just talking about was in Atlanta. Yep. And that's what threw me off. Atlanta. That's what threw me off because the Benz is a place, I've done a lot of games there where, and we kept saying it on the broadcast uh, look, Columbus is playing really well. They've gotten their go ahead goal. They need to seize the moment and get a second or a third because crazy things happen at Mercedes Benz Stadium. And they and didn't. It didn't. Did. A 90, whatever it was, third header from Miles Robinson earns him a point. But for Columbus to come into that building, and it's not so much that I know they're going to try to play how they play. They're not going to shy away from that. But to have the audacity to execute it the way that they did, the audacity to make this little subtle change in terms of Sean Zawatsky's positioning that just changed the whole dynamic of the game, to me, it just showed the level of of manager that Wilfred Nancy is, but then also the level of his players to be able to execute that back quickly. The only thing that I fear with them, you got to be able to see, see a game out. You got to be able to see a game out. They, they don't know how to do that, and that's the biggest issue because, Sasha, when you look at both of these teams in the final 10 games, they only lost twice each, right? So Columbus was 5-2-3. and three. Atlanta was 4-2-4. Four, and four. They're in good form. They're of confidence. Tiago Mata's not there. I worry that Columbus, in an ugly game in the playoffs, on the road, soft is the wrong word, but Sasha, you've known me for a long time. You know what I'm saying. The ability to see a game out ugly versus 3-4-3 rotations, positions. No, 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 no. You got to play ugly for 15 minutes and make sure you get this win. I don't know if it's in their DNA. I don't think they have it, and and a tiger can't change its stripes, and Wilfred Nancy is not going to change. He has his way. He plays the beautiful game. It's so fun for us to watch. 
And I think this matchup with Atlanta is going to be the most entertaining because it's probably going to have the most goals in it and the most beautiful play in it. But honestly, in the playoffs, it starts to get cold. It gets ugly. You got to go play on turf. It gets ugly. It's not about how pretty you can play and all your rotations and all this. No, it matters how you can do in that box over there and stop the ball from going in and how you can score in that box over there. That's the longer you watch soccer, you realize yep. midfield play is great. It helps your team so much. But in the end, can you stop the ball from going in the net? And can you put the ball in the back of the net? Columbus has Cucho Hernandez, who is you know one of the best all-around players in Major League Soccer, who can be that difference maker, not only scoring goals, but setting up goals. I think in the end, Columbus comes out on top. And it really hurts that Tiago Almada is not there in game one. I just can't wait to see who the replacement is for Tiago Almada. And Me if too. things change a lot tactically, if they just go 4-5-1 in that first game with a more defensive midfield. So there's a reason why I'm waiting for the last two series to this point of the podcast. Because I want you guys to end the podcast as we look at Houston versus Real Salt Lake, Orlando versus Nashville. The reason why I'm doing it is this. I am saying that the teams that nobody's talking about that can win MLS Cup, Houston Dynamo in the West, Orlando City in the East. Houston Dynamo, will start with that, Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake without Pablo Ruiz, not the same team. Real Salt Lake's got something. They've spent money. They went out and got a rongo. All of a sudden, they look like a team that can win. Pablo Ruiz gets injured. They've completely fallen flat. I don't see them. Ben Olsen in the Houston Dynamo. Look like it doesn't matter the 11 he puts on the field. They look like they all believe in what they're doing. They're all playing at a high level, but they're also enjoying what they're doing. The way they beat Inter-Miami in the Open Cup Final, they completely dominated that game. They should have had three or four goals in the first half. Sasha, I'm going to start with you. I think Houston Dynamo is the one team in the West that nobody's talking about that could ultimately be an MLS Cup. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. I don't have Houston going all the way to MLS Cup, but I do think that they are looking very, very good. I you, you mentioned the Open Cup final against Miami and then this weekend against Portland where Portland needed to win. I think it was pretty much the exact same lineup yes, for was. Houston Dynamo on both of those games, and they just looked dominant in both of them. Uh, I mean... Griffin Dorsey from right back is looking like prime what, Cafu. By the way, hold this on. Stop, is... <laughs> stop real quick. What a name that is. Like if yeah. you if your name is Griffin, you better be a stud. And he has been a stud over the last couple of weeks. He's He's been unbelievable. His timing at making runs from right back. Mm-hmm. Just everything is working for this Houston team. Karaskia, you put him anywhere on the field. This guy Agreed. has boundless Love energy. Him. The runs that he makes beyond the defense, it opens space for everybody else. Hector Herrera does everything in the midfield. Bossy drops in. I mean, Baird is looking pretty good as number nine. The, the, the team is looking very good. I think they get past Salt Lake. Not easily because Salt Lake keeps themselves in every game. And I got to give a tip of the cap to Pablo Mastroeni. The only coach in the Western Conference to get his team to the playoffs the last three years Nobody mentions that that much, but that, that's that's a lot of credit to the squad and the money that has been not invested in Salt Lake. You know, this summer they spent some money for the first time ever, and you got to give some credit to Pablo Mastrani, but ultimately I think Houston is very strong right now. Mo, their most recent matchup was in August in Salt Lake. Houston won 3-0. They were up 2-0 within 30 minutes thanks to goals for uh, Corey Baird and Sterez. The last 10 games, the form is so important for me going into the playoffs because teams are really in form. They're believing in themselves. Houston's won five 
of their last 10 games, only losing once. The other four were draws. RSL's lost five of their last 10 games. Are you with Sasha and I that the Houston Dynamo could be a juggernaut in the West, or do you think we're over overrating Without them? a doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm riding with my boys, man. I'm with you guys on this one. Houston, I remember we did their game earlier in the season, and uh, and Ben was playing. It was Artur. It was Hector Herrera. It was um, Karaskia in midfield. And I was like, I, I like all three players, but I was like, I don't know if it's it kind of feels redundant at times, yada, yada, yada. Ben's evolved this team. He has a team that's bought in. The, one, the thing that makes them – and an even bigger edge is the Open Cup. Yeah, I agree. Because you can have a new manager come in, you can have ideas work, you can win games, right? And that gives you confidence as a group that things are working, so you keep working towards them. You keep you keep reinforcing the things that are doing that you're doing well and trying to improve on the other things. But once you have something that you can a tangible item, a trophy to show for what you've been doing, so now it's not just Ben in your ear after a win saying, "Hey, this is working. Let's keep going." Monday through Friday, you're on the training pitch, Ben saying, hey, you saw on the weekend how this worked. No, now he's saying, we have this Open Cup to show for. Now let's go chase MLS Cup. We know what the process is like in terms of knockout games and playing in games that have significance, playing in games where, who was the favorite in that final? Miami with Lionel Messi and company or, or Houston, right? So you, yeah. you know what it feels like to wear the underdog tag to be the favorite in certain games. And I think that's going to be beneficial for this group. Against Salt Lake, I give them the edge. Pablo Ruiz, for me, was an absolute – he was a boss during League's Cup. I kept ranting to you about, yo, this this Salt Lake team yeah, is legit. They look legit, and a big part of it was Ruiz and Ojeda in the midfield. The understanding that they had, the good balance and complement that they were to each other, but his range of passing, his timing of when to make tackles, his reading of the game just gave that that Salt Lake midfield a different look and a different confidence. Without him – I don't see them getting past this Houston team in the way that they've come together so quickly and so well. Orlando City, Nashville, final one. Huh. So I'm going to eat my own words here because I thought Nashville was going to be the toughest out in the Eastern Conference until they got to the League's Cup final. Since then, they don't look like the same team, only winning two of their final 10 games. You guys have watched the same games I have they don't look like, especially Hani Mukhtar, doesn't look like the MVP that he was in the first half of the season. On the other side, dear Lord, Orlando City's won seven of their final 10 games. They are unequivocally, the numbers, the eye tests, and everything else, the most informed team heading into the playoffs. Duncan McGuire, everything he touches is hitting the ball in the back of the net. Oscar Pereira doesn't even have a new deal. I think Orlando City is going to be the toughest out in the East. And yet, Sasha, I feel like you're going to look at me and say, yeah, but Nashville can go to two games nil-nil and win on penalties. No? I, I mean, that's kind I've of who got they Nashville are. going to the conference finals. And why? So, why? What have you seen because of that? Or do you think they're just this, going to this, defensive? This is, it's not from what I've seen because you've laid it out what we've seen. Orlando is the hottest team in the league right now. It's just what I know and kind of what I feel with Nashville is that okay. as I look at championship teams over the past in MLS, what you've always needed is a difference maker in attack and two solid center backs. And Nashville's pairing of Mayer and Zimmerman, and Zimmerman has to stay healthy and be on the field for every minute of the playoffs for them to have a chance. 
is good enough to get by in games. And I just think that if I'm picking between like Duncan Maguire or Facundo Torres or Hani Mukhtar, I'm going to take Hani Mukhtar because I've seen him do it for the last three years. I think these these games are going to be extremely low scoring between these two teams. I think they're going to be very defensive, very cagey. They might just go to penalties every time because no one's going to give up a goal or give up a chance. And I just give the edge to Nashville because of what I saw in the Leagues Cup. This is purely from my heart. Uh, this is <laughs> it's hard for me to defend because Orlando has been so good. Well, and Mo, he's also doing this podcast with Hani Mukhtar's jersey underneath that's that the other part. sweatshirt. So, that's uh, the other part, you know? And <laughs> it's a funny part. I don't disagree when you lay out, when Sasha lays out what's required to have success, right? And yes, from Orlando's standpoint, Antonio Carlos is back. So a lot of this run during like post Leeds Cup was without Antonio Carlos. Schlegel's had to play a lot more minutes alongside Janssen. It's a different look, a different partnership. There were some some chinks in their armor here and there, but I, Oscar Perea will walk away from this last stretch of games thinking, I have a deeper squad than maybe I anticipated. Like his ideal pairing in center back is Antonio Carlos and Janssen, and now he's fit. Now he has a decision to make. Has Janssen gotten enough games to where he wants to throw him right back into the mix? <laughs> so you were saying this is going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, I was at the game where there was one shot on goal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> one shot on goal. I, we had to keep looking at the numbers like, wait, I'm sure someone's made a save. No, no one's made a save because there haven't been any shots on goal. Just the one goal uh, from Duncan McGuire at Jodas Park. I, I can't be a hypocrite now because I've consistently said form, momentum going into the playoffs is everything, is key. And for that reason, I lean towards Orlando. You guys have already laid out the form that they've been in. the And that's form both home and away. For Nashville, it's been, I think, six games now that Honey Mukhtar hasn't, hasn't scored a goal. He's got two assists during that time frame. Sam Surge has gotten two goals in league play so far. Yeah, but he's got to score. Honey Mukhtar has to score, Mo. Assists are one thing. He has to be a goal scorer. Thousand percent. And I don't doubt him. Like, I, I'm I'm also on the Honey Mukhtar bandwagon. Oh, Absolute baller. The kid's class and it's not and the reason why it's class not just uh not that he's like hot is because he's done it consistently like over year after year Mm -hmm. after year it's not just a one-off occasion the biggest thing is can Ani Mutark and Sam Surridge get back to being in that kind of League's Cup form League's Cup I feel like drained this group both physically and emotionally I think that final had a bigger almost like a bigger lasting impact on this group than than maybe we anticipated just looking at the results since then so this little window that they have to kind of Gary Smith has a big task in front of him to get this group believing again. The last four out of five games, they were kept scoreless. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? When you have a player of the quality of Hani Mukhtar, you have a true number nine in Sam Surge. You have two wingers, whether it's Fafa Pico, Randall Leal, or Jacob Schaffelberg, who are going to be endless pace, endless work rate to get forward, to create, to try to be another catalyst in the final third to be kept scoreless in four out of your last five games, that's pretty crazy to me. So big task ahead of them. I lean slightly and just ever so slightly on form, momentum, the return of a star player in Antonio Carlos, a big player in Antonio Carlos towards Orlando. Here's why it's a dilemma for me, and we're going to end it here. I know what Sasha's talking about. Who's the best defense in the league? Nashville. What would Gary Smith do? You know what? Screw it. I'm going to play McNaughton. Mayer and Zimmerman. I'm going to play three center backs. I'm going to lock it in and hope for a miracle from Hani Mukhtar. At some point, it's the law of averages. Hani Mukhtar is going to have to score a goal at some point. 
That's why it's difficult for me. But here's why I'm going with Orlando City. Which goalkeeper do you want, Galese or Willis? In a penalty kick shootout, I want Galese. Because Nashville has told me in League's Cup, you're going to sub out Joe Willis for your backup goalkeeper. And so what if that doesn't happen? I really do believe this potentially could go three nil-nil games. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I'm not, like, I think this could be literally, because Mo, you said it best, October 4th, there was two total shots. One of those was Duncan McGuire, and he scored. But that's the way these two teams are playing. I don't think Nashville is going to be expansive. I don't think they should. But I think Galese over Willis in a penalty kick shootout. But honestly, three no-no games would not surprise me at all because why would Nashville, the strength of their team, on the road say, you know what? No, let's go for it. No, let's open up. Sasha, they never open up. No, they, Gary Smith has the game plan and the players have bought into it and it's worked. It, it hasn't worked lately and they haven't been getting goals lately. But like I said, in the playoffs, two good center backs, maybe three good center backs, a strong midfield with guys that are going to work hard. If you get Dax McCarty uh, back no, in there, you're going to keep Alex Muel. How or... long is it going to be before you brought up your boy? <laughs> How long? I, it, it took you long enough. As soon as he said Nashville was going to win it, and then he started singing me this song about, oh, this guy and that guy. Yeah, right. It's Dax. It's Dax. Mo, uh, Mo, 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 Mo. And Alex yeah. Wheel. Hey, what are you doing here? No, no. And Alex no, no. Wheel. And it's, it's a Red Bull part yeah. two. That's what it is. Oh, and Dax. You can't McCarty. hide it. You can't hide who you are. Come on now. Go ahead. Finish it. Would you guys Finish stop. up. Go ahead. <laughs> That's it. No, it's good. That's it. You guys will just see the games, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Oh, oh, that's so good. Actually, you know how we should end this, Sasha? Tell me. 646-571-8496. That is the phone. 646-571-8496. I want you guys to call in and let's give Marisa Du and his lovely missus names to name his daughter <laughs> because they're struggling to find the right name. And Sasha, I just think it's our duty as, are we colleagues or acquaintances of Mo? Like, we're not really friends of Mo. I would uh, say, what are we, acquaintances? <laughs> Mo and I have known each other since we were 12. I don't know about you two, but Mo's my okay. boy. <laughs> well, I'm older than both of you guys. And honestly, I hate both of you guys. So it's perfect. So let's do that. So for those listening, one more time, 646-571-8496. That's Marisa Du. He is at the hospital the baby girl hasn't come yet. He needs names. And that is Sasha Kleshin, the two brains of this podcast. And I'm just the face of a faceless podcast. Love you, boys. Appreciate it, bro. Thanks, Thanks bro. Good luck. Offside with Taylor Twelman is a Major League Soccer podcast produced by Apple TV and Rain Delay Media. Our executive producers are Peter Moses and John Yales. John was our editor. Michael Janot was our engineer. Jonah Buchanan was our associate producer. Iggy Monda and Jonah were our researchers. Music was composed by Brian Decker, and I'm your host, Taylor Twalman. Follow and listen on Apple Podcast. Yep, 17. 17 takes. <laughs>